Welcome everybody to the Punchy Hunter, where cowboying and hunting combine. Hello everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the Punchy Hunter. Sorry it's been so long, um, I think it's been like two weeks now. Um, crazy couple weeks, real busy, almost died, but that's a story for another time. I have on today a guy I'm really excited to have on, um, Tyler Turco. I've known you for a while, buddy, and, and you're just a downright killer. There's there's no other way to describe it. I fucking, I love your YouTube channel and, and uh, your Facebook page, Rocky Mountain Way. Um, it's it's good stuff, and, and I love seeing it. Um, and I'm, I'm yeah. glad to have you on, man. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, you bet. Uh, how's uh, how's the old life treating you these days? Not too bad. Uh, you know, just cranking away, getting stuff ready for the season, getting out on some uh, shed hunts and whatnot. Got spring bear coming up, so kind of gear gear ready and stuff for that. But you bet, you bet. I uh, I seen your shed season's going pretty stinking decent so far. You can't complain about that, I suppose. No, it's not too bad. Uh done all right got into some browns but covered a lot of new country and really that shed hunting is just another good excuse to get out there and learn new country and uh has led me a lot of times to uh checking out new areas to hunt as well absolutely i I really i need to get out really bad between shoeing horses and riding colts i i haven't been on the bear hunt i was supposed to go on by myself yet i don't know if I'm gonna be able to squeeze that in, Arizona's season is closed, so I'd have to go squeeze one out somewhere else mm-hmm. if I did get one um, in. But man, I need to get out there. Like you said, even just shed hunting, just a great way to go look at some new country. Um, no shoot, man. Uh, well, uh, why don't you tell everybody a little about yourself and um, kind of where you got the idea for for Rocky Mountain Way. All right, yeah. So uh, my name's Tyler Turco. I'm from uh, uh, Franktown, Colorado, originally. Uh, um, kind of bounced around, been rodeo since I was 14, and it's kind of where I met Justin along the lines and uh, yeah. on down the road. But um, lived in Montana for the last six years. Um, kind of hunted all over the western states. Just got really into it when I was younger. My dad wasn't really into it, so but I you know, developed passion for it, did a lot of kind of old school way, read a lot of books and started just getting out there on my own and picked up a little few things along the way and just been going hard and not quitting and it's been paying off here and there. So it's kind of it right now. Um, went to the university of Montana, uh, just, uh, spent a lot of time in Montana, really love Montana. Currently moved back down to Colorado right now. Um, and, uh, working over at no limits archery just in over in denver my cousin uh owns a shop over there oh you bet well you can't beat that i was uh i was meaning to ask you how the move went last time i i talked to you you were you were just getting ready to to make the move everything go smooth go all right yeah it did truck ran and loaded up old u-haul trailer and came down but now it's the weather's starting to turn and it's looking more like bear season i'm already itching to go back so I, I got plans to go back uh for spring bear for sure and hopefully uh we'll see we'll see what happens i might be moving back up there we'll see 
funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, Montana's damn cool state to live in. I kick myself for moving all the time. I, I like Arizona a lot. Don't get me wrong. I do. I, I really enjoy Arizona. The weather's nice. There's lots and lots of hunting. Not so much on the fly fishing side. The old, the old fly <laughs> rod is getting pretty damn dusty, and that, that kind of hurts my feelings, but... Um, oh fuck, man, I I miss Montana. It's a it's a cool state if you like to hunt and fish. Well, I mean, if you like to rodeo and cowboy too. There's yeah, it really is. It's got kind of got it all, uh, you know. And it does, it does, it does. Just like that last gym, uh, it's pretty nice. I miss that. It was just nice to be able to, you know, even if you were working full time and you could go. I mean, the opportunity was there to go fish every day if you really wanted to, and. Just the opportunity is so great out there. If you're a resident, you know, it's pretty, pretty ridiculous. It's really honestly not bad as even as a non-resident, especially as fishing, fishing as a non-resident. Shit, I think it was like 30 bucks for like a five-day fishing license as a non-resident. Even as a non-resident, the, the opportunity does abound. That's for sure. It's like you said, it's kind of the last hidden gem. And it's it's one of the few states that uh has over the counter uh non resident spring bear tag. So that's yep, definitely right. a big tally <laughs> in the pro con uh in the pro pro section. Um that's for sure. I I have to say I'm pretty envious. I was hoping to get up there uh, at the end of next month or uh Middle of next month? Dude, I can't remember. I was supposed to get up there for a spring bear hunt. I don't think it's going to happen anymore. Like I said, life life getting in the way a little bit. Um, but that'll happen. That'll happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Other responsibilities. Uh, I hear you. Uh, well, shoot. Tell us a little bit more about Rocky Mountain Way, man. I I love the YouTube videos and the Facebook posts. Where'd you, where'd you come up with, with that? Well, that was... Uh, it, it kind of started right as when I uh, moved from Texas to Montana and uh, I just started wanting to film my hunts. Um, I was doing a lot of these hunts on my own and by myself and, you know, it, you know, you get to telling your buddies and your family about the stories and it's like, you know, it'd be cool if I, you know, at least carried a camera to get some pictures so you could help tell a story. And, uh, and then I just started you know, I just made a decision. I'm going to start packing a camera. So started doing that, especially when I moved to Montana and, uh, had some buddies up there that I was hunting with and pretty much from there on, we just started videoing everything and fishing trips, uh, hunting trips. And then, uh, kind of dove into it. Uh, yeah. And then never really had like a vision for it to be where it was going to be, you know, a uh, source of revenue, I guess. But, uh, just right. do for fun and yeah. document all this to share it with our friends and family, basically. Um, and if something came up in the future, you know, we'd look at that, man. It was just something that we wanted to want to try out. And ever since, it's been super rewarding just because you can always go back and look back at it and, you know, from hunts from years ago. And it's just crazy to see. I've been doing it for, I guess, you know, five or six years now. And just looking back at those first videos and how terrible my editing was and how <laughs> video quality was terrible. And it's gotten a lot better. I'd say like every video, I, I learned a little bit more, little, you know, little tricks with software, little tricks with the cameras, you know, upgrading camera equipment, audio equipment. And that's, you know, it's just a process, uh, but it's been really good. Um, you know, 
right now, like the YouTube channel is doing okay. And, uh, I'm still posting the shed hunting videos up there and everything. And, um, just, I don't know. It's been good. I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, actually that's what I did my master's in Montana. Never finished it, but I started it in film, uh, film and video oh, editing. You did, yeah. Just you to get better it. with behind the camera basically. And yeah. Heck yeah, right? It's been awesome. Can't beat that. I'm I'm terrible. I'm not even hardly any good with this podcast deal, man. If it if it wasn't for this app and if this app didn't make it so simple, this this podcast would not have come about. That's for darn sure. And <laughs> Heck yeah. Oh, I'm not cool. very technologically savvy at all. Fortunately this thing makes it pretty easy. Um no, I I I definitely, even I could say just from going back and watching early videos versus like bedded dreams. Yeah. It's come a long way and you're doing a damn good job with it. And, Thanks, and, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I like watching it, you know, I mean, I know some people probably, um, maybe they don't like the selfie view in videos. I, I mean, I like it cause, cause you're out there by yourself, you know? Yep. And, and, and it's I, hard otherwise to document it really. It is, it is, and and like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, you could you could say what you want about a guy turning, you know, the the phone on himself and talking into it a little bit, but I'd like to see you get out there and be by yourself and and shoot, you know, a big seven by seven bull like you just did this past fall, you know, and, right. and I, I love watching it. It's awesome. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's that was pretty awesome hunt and stuff, and just the way I was able to capture the kill shot and everything on film was just you know I'll, I'll be able to not only just you know see that shot in my mind but i actually have video of it that i could always go back to and just be like you know just relive that whole experience basically absolutely that that is the story we should tell while we're on uh this evening while we're recording i would yeah, i would love so. to hear the the whole story of that hunt because man that was that's a fucking that's a bomber bull man that's yeah. a fucking bomber bomber bull yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bedded Dreams is the perfect, perfect name for it. Because, I mean, that's, that's, that is what it is. I mean, that's, that's your dreams, you know, everything you've ever hoped for in an elk bedded down right there, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty, pretty crazy experience. And, you know, you always, you know, I've heard of, I've heard of guys thinking it on bedded and I just, you know, just got lucky when uh, I was chasing bugles. I wasn't really calling. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a cool, if we want to, I can start going into that if you want. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Go ahead. Like I said, there's, there's not much structure or time frame to this deal. It's it, whatever we talk about, you know, have at it. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, that hunt was a Montana archery elk hunt. Uh, I went on this past fall. Um, it was, a had a whole week planned out for a backcountry hunt there, um, with a buddy of mine, Quaid. And, uh, but he was going to be gone for the first weekend, uh, first few days, really his father-in-law drew a moose tag. So completely understand, you know, like you got oh, yeah. once in a lifetime tag, you want to be there for it. So he I went, and, uh, so I was going solo just, be, you know, because of that. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to miss, miss out on elk hunting. So went out there and, uh, packed in, uh, about three and a half miles, four miles, or so got base camp set uh you know that area was i've been in there before but this year it just had seemed to be a lot more hunters in there this year but 
it's kind of what you run into on public land, even in oh, the yeah. penitentiary. So, yeah, um, wasn't too concerned. Uh, first day was uh, a little hectic. I there's horse hunters everywhere, so a lot of guys, you know, packing in there in the backcountry on horses. Oh yeah, and uh, which you know makes me wish I had a few, but um, <laughs> you know, when you're back there and hiking all this country, I, you know, these guys were beating me. I, I'd wake up, you know, early plenty in the dark and be hiking out of camp going up the trails and you know i'm probably a mile and a half two miles down the trail and i hear hoofs coming behind me and these guys just pass right by me on the trail <laughs> it was frustrating <laughs> i could imagine so after the first day of doing that i really didn't see a whole lot of elk and did a whole loop around this country and uh ran you know i ran to those horse hunters saw bear and some deer but didn't see a whole lot of elk till that evening and uh, so I spotted this herd um, way too far, you know, over a mile away. Um, couldn't get to them by that evening, but it was a good plan for the next morning. So I spotted this herd down there. Couldn't really make out what the bull was, but it looked like a decent decent bull. So yeah. I was like, all right, get all, you know, I'm getting up earlier. I'm not going to let the horse hunters beat me again. So <laughs> <laughs> I got up about 3.30 that next morning. And, you know, it was super early, but I just knew I had to do that to get ahead of these guys. So sure enough, I did that and hiked in a, hiked in a different way, like trying to go over to where I saw that herd the previous evening and, uh, got into there. Um, there was, I hadn't clearly, I hadn't made it all the way to where exactly where I'd seen these elk, but I was starting to hear bugles in the dark. And so, you know, I was like, well, those elk are still, you know, another half mile down the road, like down the trail. I'm not going to pass up some some bulls right here if there's something closer. So I uh, I started sneaking into these bulls. Uh, they're bugling, sounding off, uh, and they're kind of on an open hillside. So I ended up getting into these elk uh, right at first light. Um, broken country, kind of open. Uh, in the video, you can kind of tell there's, there's not a whole lot of trees on this ridge. But yeah. – uh, I got in pretty close, had, uh, some cows and a uh, younger five point bull at 40 yards. It just, you know, the, the bigger, there's a six point in there, but I couldn't get within range. He was closest I had him was about 90 and he was walking that whole morning, but it was cool. You know, those elk were on fire. It was really cool. But as those elk are just, you know, loud, super vocal that morning. Oh yeah. Uh, Horse hunters, you know, sure enough, as you know, you could have set my alarm to them. They come up the trail, you know, right about first light, and they start bugling off their horses, and they end up, you know, these elk bump over the next ridge, and the the guys on horses saw them, and they were, you know, they're already ahead of me to cut these elk off. So I was like, well, that was a good play. I'm going to go up on the ridge and glass. Whatever. I'll find some more elk. Yep. So I go up on the top of this ridge, glass, and, uh, way off there i mean two miles away i can see some uh a herd bedded i can't can really make out any bulls but i can see a bunch of elk bedded in the timber and i was like well you know there's i don't have any other play there's no i could see horse hunters headed in about every other direction i mean i was there's so many there horse not that many of them huh oh yeah i mean there was four <laughs> that came up on me on that trail that day um and then i saw five other guys horseback that took off a different direction. I mean, I had horse hunters all around me, basically. So we were all hunting the same elk. But um, basically, the, I found this herd in the timber, and no no horses were going to them. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. So I take off, 
going over to these elk and my plan was just to get underneath them and maybe let them feed down to um you know that evening to where they're going to come down in the open and in like you know the lower meadows and stuff by the creek you know to feed for the night so i i got in there and got about to where i want to set up for the night and these bulls were just going off it's about you know three o'clock in the afternoon it's hot and they were bugling their heads off up there so i said you know screw it i'm gonna go in after them heck yeah so yeah i just worked my way in there uh kept the wind in my favor just worked up the drainage and uh just kept you know kind of following the sound of the, their bugles and uh there's a point when i got up to this um this little bench on the the ridge and uh one sounded off and it, it was close you know i could tell it wasn't very far so at that point you know i'm, I'm checking the wind the wind's good thermals are good but um so i dropped my pack and from a previous rodeo injury i can't shoot with a pack on my back with my bow I can't even shoot with a vinyl harness on my chest. Dang so, it, really? That uh, that elbow, I take it? Yeah, that's right. So I, I tore my tricep um, and uh, get off the bucking horse, and it just I, – I, I can't draw um, a bow the same way I used to be able to, like the proper form. So I have to draw it inside my chest a little bit. So all that stuff gets in the way. So I had to drop everything. I dropped my pack. I keep the vinyl harness on, but I kind of put it um, – underneath my uh like armpit you know underneath my arm kind yeah. of take off the strap put it under my arm so i can still have access to my range finder and my binos if i need them but i can still shoot so i get that all set up and i just start creeping up on this bench and all that shed hunting i think paid off because i mean it was tall grass in this timber because it was kind of burnt uh you know half it's dead half it's new growth and going through there tall grass and i just spot tines sticking out of the grass <laughs> So it was pretty sweet, and that's you know like I, I got pretty pumped. And I what was cool is I I couldn't even tell what the bull um, was, like how big he was. I couldn't tell if it was a six point or seven point. No, couldn't really I, tell anything. I remember in the watching the YouTube video after after you shoot, you're like I don't I don't even really know what it was. I just know it was big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all I do. I mean, some like some of those. Like bigger animals, I've just noticed. Like if a big bull or a big mule deer buck, you just you almost don't even need a second look. I just could I could tell he's big. I couldn't tell if he was you know facing left or right when he was bedded, but I just saw his back end sticking out like grass. I was like that's that's a shooter. So I got ready. I ranged the tree. He's bedded right up against this tree and ranged the tree and I ranged his antlers 30, 35, 34 yards, and then I just waited. I was like it's you know it's cooling down. It's three thirty you know, getting to four o'clock, it's going to start cooling down. They're going to move, you know, he's going to get up. And the rest, what was so crazy is he's bedded by himself, you know, kind of away from the herd. Whereas yeah. all the other elk, I could see some of the other elk, like I could see some cows and some younger bulls. They were just, you know, 100, 150 yards up further into the timber. Um, but he was all bedded by himself off away from the herd so do you think he was a satellite bull or do you think he was the herd bull and he just decided to to just big chill out by himself i think they uh i think those herd bulls do sometimes just break off themselves a little bit like that um hmm. i don't know i don't think he was a satellite i mean he was he's kind of big to be a satellite bull but right you know, and that's what i was thinking but i mean i i mean that's how new i am to to western big game hunting i'd 
like I said, I would have thought as Daisy was, he damn sure would have been the herd bull, but I don't know if them herd bulls do that. Yeah, you know, I think obviously this one did. Like, I mean, maybe there was another big bull in there that was just meaner, older or something, but I couldn't yeah. see him um, <clears throat> from where I was at least. Uh, but, yeah, he's just better by himself, and, you know, the other elk I could see were on their feet, so I just knew it wasn't going to be long before this bull stands up. <clears throat> So I just got, you know, I have an arrow knocked. I'm ready, ready to shoot. And uh, it really didn't take too long. The GoPro video kind of goes a little long on the video, but I mean, it was longer than that. I was there for about 15, 20 minutes before he stood up. And then uh, at 35 yards, I was worried about wind switching on me so much, but it held for long enough for him to um, stand up. And when he stood up, you know, he's facing straight away from me, so take a couple steps to the left to try to get a cordon away angle on him. And, you know, it was what was funny too. And you can see in the video, like I, when I draw my bow back, I had, I've been, I was hunting mule deer for the first few weeks in September. So, and I hadn't even got, I made a stock and a buck, uh, a shooter yet. So I hadn't even draw my bow for like two weeks. So, <laughs> you know, this is an 80 pound bow and it was, it was a pain. I barely got that sucker back, but, uh got that thing back and uh you know he's facing dead away from me not looking at me or nothing has no idea i'm there but try to take those steps get that cordon away angle on him and i just can't get a good enough shot on him so i'm holding full draw for a while and then it just you know it was like he i don't know he just wanted to turn to the right put his head like directly behind the tree he can't even see me um but he's perfect broadside and uh, 34 yards just you know waited to wait to get that sight level and you know put the pin where I wanted to go and shot a perfect arrow through him and uh, literally he like you know I think it was it was really nice because shot him he ran, jumped off about 15 yards stopped and stood there for a long time and you know in normal situation I'm trying to throw an arrow in him but I yeah. can't get a shot through this brush and down timber and stuff and since he doesn't know i'm there you know elk are notorious for you know if you bump them when they're hurt they can go forever oh yeah so i i just you know i thought the best option was just to sit there and be quiet if he offered me another shot i was definitely gonna take one had another arrow knock but um as we know it, it didn't take another one he went over there it took a minute but he expired right there but yeah it was like you said, he jumped that like 15, 20 yards and, and stood yep. there for a long time, but that, yep. that was the spot. <laughs> yeah, he bled out there, and, you know, it was pretty ridiculous. He bugled a few times in his bed, and that was, you know, it it he had a bugle that was pretty ridiculous. Like, it was dinosaur sounding, so it was, it was cool. Really got me going, and, uh, but, yeah, after that, I was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty dang far from camp. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that was not the most fun pack out in the whole wide world by yourself. No, that was brutal. Uh, and it just got, you know, it was about four o'clock, you know, four thirty, and got this bull down and trying to take, you know, p- trying to take pictures and stuff by yourself is really tough, but try to take the best I could. Um, and then started breaking them down. Uh, and usually, especially on a bull that that nice, I would have, you know, typically wanted to keep that cape. Right. But uh, I could not turn – I could like, the way this bull died, he was uh, 
on the slope to where he, this dead tree was kind of holding him from going down to the bottom of the slope. So I couldn't really flip him very easy with his head on. So I, uh, you know, I got one side off and then I, I started caping him out. But then I also, there was a bull I shot a couple years ago in Colorado that I kept a cape off of and got it tanned. And so that's kind of the back of my mind. I'm like, well, I already have a, a nice cape and it's already tanned and everything. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm ready. I'm, I said, screw it, you know, not taking the cape. So I break him down, get everything taken care of. And then the, this is like, I didn't really get to highlight this in the video very well. It was, we had a, uh, like a big storm blew in and, you know, yeah, a big storm came in while I'm breaking this bull down. And even before, I guess there's more, I, man, I'm skipping parts. Well, I'm breaking this bull down. All right. And I, you know, <laughs> tried to do everything, caping him out. And, uh, I had spotted, there's seemed to be a decent amount of black bears in here and I have a sow and two cubs come walking in on me while I'm cutting this bull up. Oh, that's always a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, they're close, like, you know, 15 yards from me and Dang. my <laughs> pistol's over there on my pack, <laughs> I, you know, so it was a little eerie, but, um, you have to, you have to hope the whole, uh, black bears are more scared of you than you are them really holds true <laughs> oh yeah I, you know i've hunted a lot of bear I, I really don't worry about black bear too much but only what you know only dangerous ones you know usually a sow with cubs so but i start yelling at them i running over grab my pistol you know yell at them a few times and they kind of run off so like all right that's all right but you know now i'm worried about them eating the meat yeah don't want to leave too much land there overnight probably yeah exactly but um i was kind of in a bind after they they kind of went off the storm blows in and it was one of those like high country lightning storms that you know makes it hair in the back of your neck stand up you know there's lightning striking these trees i fucking hate lightning <laughs> oh it was scary you know and poured rain i i had a rain jacket like a just a top, but uh, yeah. I didn't have gaiters. I didn't have uh, ran like pants. I didn't have nothing. Noth- I wasn't prepared for that kind of a storm, which is kind of my fault. I kind of went into that hunt with the uh, uh, mindset I was going as light as possible. Right. And uh, that kind of bit me in the butt bad in that situation. But um, so I get this bull broken down as much as I can and get them all quartered out. Um, and I take, uh, I think I took back straps, tenderloins. Um, and I left all the quarters there and, uh, so I get that done and, you know, it's pouring rain and I, I hiked back and I was, it was bad. Like I was almost, I was borderline hypothermic that night. And so I get all the way back to camp, uh, sleep in the tent that night, you know, finally, uh, warm up and down sleeping bag and everything that was I was all right, but uh, next morning I get up. I had one set of clothes, you know. Everything is soaking wet. Oh man! You know, so <laughs> whole morning I just had to spend, uh, you know, started a fire, had to dry everything out, you know, wait for my boots to dry out. Um, my fr- my buddy Quaid was coming up that day. He wanted me to meet him at the trailhead. That was our original plan, and I was like, man, I can't even go anywhere until my boots dry out a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, end up kind of kind of sucked because i had to waste the morning in camp just drying stuff out 
And uh, I even approached some of the horse hunters that were around there. And I was like, hey, would you guys be uh, willing to help me pack this meat out? You know, I'll give you some meat, you know, pay you if I have to, whatever you need. But uh, they they thought about it, came back to me. They're like, no, I think we'd rather hunt today. So I'm like, well, looks like uh, it's all on me to get this freaking elk out. Damn it. What a bunch of bastards. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I knew Quade was coming up the trail. and. Uh, I knew he'd be in camp that night. I, I didn't think he'd make it up there to where the bull was. And I was just worried about those bears getting to that meat. So uh, I bombed back in there as soon as I could and got in there. They hadn't touched anything. So that was awesome. Oh, I freaking, I walk in there though. And I bump up a, a six point bull, you know, a 300 class six point bull oh, uh, walking up to the, my <laughs> meat. And then, while I'm sitting there loading the next one, there's two bulls bugling above me. The elk were all in, like, I was all into elk still, which was, you know, just really cool to be still into them while you're taking care of all your meat and stuff. And That is cool. That's badass. It would have been badass if Quade would have been with you and been able to put that nice six by six down. I know that it created a shitload of work right on top of oh, yeah. the work. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's what we That would have been cool. Oh yeah, it's what we were there for, you know. It's yeah, and that's kind of where I see it with elk. It's like, man, you can bitch and moan about how tough they are to get out, but man, it's like, what, what are you doing out here if you don't want to get shooting elk? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what we came here to do. So if you don't yeah, want to pack we, all that meat out. Don't don't put an elk tag in your pocket. <laughs> right, and so I packed out another. I think I got half an elk. You know, I got you know front and the back. And uh, it's head that night, so I was getting pretty worried about that. Bring it back to camp, and so I still have one more load to go get. But uh, Quay was in camp, and he uh, he ended up helping me with that last load. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was brutal. I mean, I think the bowl was about nine miles, ten miles from the you know trailhead, basically. So it was a long pack out, but. We got them out and didn't waste any meat or nothing, so it worked out. Right on, man. That's I've been wanting to hear the whole story. That's, God dang it, that's abominable. There's just there's no other way to describe it, man. That's a right. He's, he is big, and it's just it was Jesus cool. Like God. I when I shot him, I knew he was big. I just you know I was in back of my mind, like walking up to him. I was like, that's a good bull. Um. And, you know, I'd seen some good elk, and I picked up a lot of sheds. But when I just saw him, I didn't have anything really to compare him to. I thought he was, like, a good 350, 360 bull. But yeah. <clears throat> I got him back to camp and, man, uh, ran into some of the horse hunters, you know, that were out there. And they're freaking out about this bull. And Quaid sees him, and he's like, that is insane. And I'm like, it's like a, it's a good bull. I don't think it's, like, the biggest bull in the mountain. But they're like, that's probably the biggest bull in the mountain. But, uh, I, you know, I didn't really realize how big he was until I got him home and could compare, you know, yeah. one of the holes I've shot before to him. You know, I put a 300 and, you know, 310-inch bull next to him, and he just dwarfs him. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is what a big bull is. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. have to ask, did did you tape him? What did he I use? did. Uh, I have a green tape on him at 388. Um, so, you know, they do a drying period, gross 388, yep. he's probably in there. Um, 
you know, with net probably three high high three seventies, three eighty ish. Um, yeah. you know, net and dried out, but uh, you know, still just a you know giant bull and you know fifty four, fifty six inch may beams. Um, yeah. just got insane mass. Uh, carries his mass. It's it's something you almost have to. Uh, one of my buddies have came over to check him out. I'm like, you gotta. He's on the wall, but we got we take him down. I'm like, you got to put this thing in your hands. You don't really, you can't really appreciate it until you put your hands around. Oh, it. With a, yeah, with a 56 inch main beam, <clears throat> how do you appreciate the mass? You know. Yeah, it's he's he's a big bull, for sure. But, yeah, dude, that's congrats. That's I've been I've been really really curious what that bull taped at, and that's fucking awesome, man. Thanks, that's man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, he's. Gonna be hard to beat, but we'll we'll give it a try. <laughs> oh, I I bet you get it figured out one of these days. Um, yeah, I'm pretty pumped with him, and just uh, it was it was it was a cool hunt. So, not complaining at all. No, how could you? How could you? Um, shoot, yeah. Are you going in for a while for your for your spring bear? Or you you got a good long hunt planned for that? I wish it was longer, man. Uh, I only got a week to do it. So, um, you know, and it's going to take me a day traveling to get up there and, you yeah. know, a day travel back. So, thinking I'm only going to really get around, you know, five and a half days to do it, get it done. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting with this snowpack this year and, um, everything just see where the snow line's at see how the green up's going in the mountains and I, i've been calling my buddies up there and checking on the snowpack and seeing how stuff's going have asking them to send me pictures of the snow and <laughs> i just you know i mentioned to get up there to check it out but <clears throat> oh yeah Heck yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if i'll uh there's a bear that i've history with up there that i kind of see want to go see if i can find him again oh shoot yeah well you can't beat that that's pretty that's pretty pretty badass yeah, it's it's just this bear that's kind of eluded me, um, for a while. And it's this big chocolate that you know, I don't know. I I didn't shoot a bear one year just because I wanted this chocolate so bad. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I passed up on some other black ones and stuff. But it's hunting these black bears is a lot. It reminds me of hunting mule deer. So I, I think that's why I like like I loved it so much is. It just reminds me of hunting a big old gnarly buck that's hanging out by himself. Man, and I have heard that time and time again, you know, when I decided, you know, that I, you know, I'm self-employed, I can finally really start dedicating to hunting like I've always wanted to do. Um, and I started learning about mule deer and, and really kind of dedicating all my time to reading fucking biology. And everything was mule deer, you know. I wasn't even hardly paying attention to anything else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I would I would watch guys like Brian Call and Ryan Lampers and a lot of these other big mule deer hunters, you know. And every one of them some bitches goes spring bear hunting. Every year, <laughs> they go spring bear hunting. They go spring bear hunting. That's what they do. They hunt mule deer in the fall, unless they get a really good elk tag, and then they go chase them out. But they mule deer hunt the fall, and they spring bear hunt the spring. And I was like, dang, man, there's got to be something to these spring bears. 
and so I started uh, I started watching a lot of spring bear hunting videos and and the next thing I knew it I was supposed to be going to Montana for like eight days to go spring bear hunting um and like I said that trip has has had to go on hold um for me to be able to start riding colts again which I like doing a lot more than I like shooting horses but man yep. I'm itching bad 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 to get out on a spring bear hunt yeah man i mean it's it's a lot like hunting a big mule deer buck and it's just it's just an awesome time to be in the mountains and ever since really i you know i used to be somewhat of a pretty passionate turkey hunter honestly in the spring i would hunt turkeys every spring but ever since i kind of discovered the spring bear hunt i you know i could care less about shooting a turkey i just want to go in the mountains <laughs> and find a bear yeah. <laughs> They're cool. They kind of just do whatever they want. They're very unpredictable. Um, you get to see some awesome country. You know, it's a good time to be in the hills. Oh, I mean, you can literally hunt them at the same elevation as fucking mountain goats. I mean, you can be you can be glassing across for bear, and all of a sudden you're looking at you know a little fucking herd of mountain goats. I mean, yep. how? Yeah, it's it's cool and. uh I don't know. It's just become one of my favorite things to do. And, you know, just trying to find a big bear and just another adventure. Ticks are terrible, but other than that, it's, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, growing up around Oklahoma and Texas, you know, I was big turkey hunter myself there for a long time. And I mean, turkey hunting is cool and all but i mean growing up doing it shit by the time i was like 17 it was just kind of like what else what else you got to do in the spring because you know you yeah there's nothing that no yeah there's you know yeah and 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 turkey hunting i'm and Maybe it's just me personally, but turkey hunting got old fast. I mean, I started turkey hunting when I was like eight years old. Shoot, maybe even a little younger than that, to be honest with you. And like I said, by the time I was like uh, 17, 18, and, and kind of old enough to really start driving myself around doing my own thing, I didn't really have much desire to turkey hunt anymore. You know, it just it just kind of got boring real quick um, to me. And so now, you know, I'm getting into this, this Western hunting and, and backpack hunting and, and kind of the same deal I was like, shit now, you know, I did two mule deer hunts this fall and I got my butt kicked, but I had a great time and I was itching to go okay. back out and I was like, well, I guess I go shed hunting. And, uh, somebody was like, well, you, you know, Arizona's got spring bear season, right? No, no, I did not. Now I do. And. Oh man, I'm I'm itching to get out there and get it done next year. Um, it it's killing me to have to miss the one that I had planned this spring. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's just yeah, it's worth making time for when you can. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, shoot, one thing that I did, I did, I guess, kind of topic specific. I did want to talk to you about a little bit. Um just because you kind of seem to have it somewhat dialed. Um, it seems like you managed to hunt quite a few states every year. And I, um, you know, obviously don't have to necessarily give any secrets away, but 
I was I was really curious to your application strategy. You know, are are you looking for, um, you know, specific units based on on species? You know, this species I want kind of more of a primo unit, or I just flat out want to get a tag in my pocket. Um, I've never hunted this state before, so you know, to heck with it. I'm just uh, same thing. I'm just gonna try and get a tag in my pocket or. You got some states you like to stockpile points in. What's what's kind of what's kind of your app app strategy? Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> over the years it's just been uh, kind of staggered it. Um, so basically, I have my states that are just point bankers. I just right like Arizona, Nevada. Um, current like right now, I'm just building up points in Wyoming. Might be a good year to burn them, but. You know, with winter kill, it could be it, you know. And then I got, you know, I have a kind of got a bad habit of building a bunch of points for elk in Colorado. But, yeah, uh, yeah I've got a whole pile of points I'm sitting on for elk. And, <laughs> you know, and it's just uh, – but there's because there's so many other opportunities that you can figure out how to get tags where you don't burn your points. So right. I've kind of done a mixture of it all. Um, <clears throat> do Idaho as – I love hunting Idaho. It's just – uh, I tried to get those over-the-counter hunts before they went to this um, sale on December 1st. They wouldn't sell out. Like the first year I moved to Montana, I bought a deer tag that year because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to hunt Montana. Right. So, you know, I got a deer tag, hunted Idaho, and ever since then I've been in Idaho every year. And at least with a deer tag in my pocket. And the strategy, like I basically, I'm looking at, I look at Idaho as more of a, um, I'm trying to find that last honey hole where their big buck is and right. mostly for mule deer. And in the process, I found a lot of decent elk, play, like a lot of decent places I'd want to go back and hunt elk. And, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've just been in the way that Idaho system works now. You can't, it's hard to be able to, um, pick your own, whichever unit you want. So you used to be able to just go in there and buy one with our generals and uh now you, you you basically go into that system on december 1st log in with everybody else you're in a waiting period basically you're in this waiting room virtual yeah, waiting room big, and big ten thousand people virtual it's more than that man it's like fifty thousand sixty thousand fuck me that's crazy. crazy yeah so, that's insane. and then you just get put wherever in line and by the time you get in you know your tags aren't there so basically for that i just uh got a bunch of um units basically listed out that i'm like all right this is the top couple units i want if they're gone let's try here or there or there yeah and basically i've just used idaho to explore new country every year i'm you yep. know i'm not trying yep. to go unit specific but i'll buy that general tag and it's almost it's just nice it's a almost a weight off my shoulders to know i have a mule deer tag for sure for you know the next year for 2023 i already yeah. have a deer tag yeah in in you know. Idaho. yeah you know right. you're going right exactly so i got that and then you can also after doing that and i did this last year i drew a, or i picked up one of the general tags and then put into the their draw which mm -hmm. is later on and i actually i drew the tag that i put in for so i just turned them what i was able to do was through the Idaho Fishing Game, you can take the general tag that I bought, 
and you mail it back to them. They swap you out for tags, and they send you the one you drew. Oh, you bet. So that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's a cool system. So like you know, and every state has their little quirks like that. Like that's what I do in Idaho, and you know, then for like Colorado, I'm trying to I'm trying to you know I've kind of I've done a, I did a late hunt last year. It was pretty good, but like yeah. the late like the deer are not doing as good as they used to up here, and it's depressing and. Like, they're just not as many of those giant bucks that used to be up here, like when I grew up here. <clears throat> so, and from the sounds of it, it's this, this winter in particular, uh, is it's sounding like a rough one up there. Idaho, northern Utah area, man, it sounds like they're, they're getting hammered. They are. And, but and for Colorado, really, it's only that north, uh, northwest corner. The rest of the state's been doing fine. Right. So, like, just for winter kill, I don't think we're going to see a huge winter kill for the overall state of Colorado. But just for that upper age class bucks, with the later season dates that we've had the last few years, I think we've knocked an age class out. And there's just not there, – there's no – don't get me wrong. There are still some big bucks in there. There's a lot harder to find right now. So, right. strategy in Colorado has been kind of different. I'm still wanting to hunt it every year for deer and elk. But – uh my expectations have gone down a little more than they used to be. So that's about it there. I'm just trying to like stagger it. Arizona, I'm shooting for the stars. Um, I mean, it's my odds are so far low there. Away and, and there's some, there's some, there's some big critters in Arizona. Um, Absolutely. Like me, my, my application strategy as a resident is to shoot for the stars to be completely honest with you. I know, um, <clears throat> I know for a fact that I get a mule deer tag um, every year, you know, with the over-the-counter deal, the the three over-the-counter archery seasons that they offer. Um, they have gone to a, a system very, very similar to Idaho's for non-residents, but as a resident, I can just walk in a sportsman's warehouse and pick up an over-the-counter mule deer tag. Um, oh, so, man. like, mule deer, mule deer specifically – man i'm i'm shooting for the strip and the kaibab and i mean that's all that's on my application because because i mean why not you i know i get that over the counter so why why not shoot for the stars and and then go hunt these over the counter deals and just figure mule deer out and get some experience under my belt and for hopefully one of these days when when you draw one of these um primo bomber bomber tags you you haven't been sitting around for 15 years and and don't really know how to actually hunt mule deer <laughs> right no absolutely that's why yeah it's really good get out there every year if you can and if you're checking out the same areas you're starting to learn country and figuring out what the deer are doing in there and it'll pay off yeah and uh i got my i got an elk tag um in arizona this year um awesome Kind of honestly, my my strategy for that was like I said, just just get one. I went on, um, go hunt and scoured their units and their draw odds and and everything else. Um, on go hunt, and I found one. Uh, on a resident can draw with one point. It's a oh, is it? I want to say it's November seventeenth through the thirtieth, so it's late. I mean, nothing nice. to be googling. But I mean, I've never hunted elk. It's my first elk tag, so cool. 
I'm pretty fucking stoked about that. Um, yeah, that's really exciting. And and I I like the I like the staggering thing you got going on because that's kind of what I've been wanting to do. Um, I just didn't really know, you know, what what should be my what should be my you know point banking states and what states do you try and hit every year? You know, um, just well, being... like you got to look at what opportunities and what your odds are. So like. Really, in Nevada, you have a bonus point, but it's a squared bonus point, so you, it's a different system. It's, it's almost like you kind of have to educate yourself on how these each state systems work. And so, I'm like in Utah. Even the deadline's today for Utah. Yep. And <clears throat> for Utah, I'm I'm not just putting in for points, and I'm put I'm still shooting for you know those premium tags. Because there's a very little, they have their tags work where there's a certain percentage go to the max point holders and a certain percentage go to randoms. They have a hybrid system in Utah. So there's still a very small chance, but there's a chance. If you don't have your name in the hat and you're just getting points, it's, you know, it's, since it's such a hybrid system, I'm, I'm nowhere near a max point holder in Utah or anything, but, um, I, I want a chance in the random draw. And, you know, if I was to draw a premium unit in Utah, that might change my plans for the fall, basically. And I'm willing to do that, you know, if I, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm not counting on it. But if that happened, I, I'd probably be willing to do it, you know. Right. <clears throat> so I, I just, gotcha. yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm still applying for units there and for actual tags. And... <clears throat> more or less like you kind of want to be careful. Like New Mexico is different, no point system, all lottery. So yeah. and they consider all three of your choices. Yeah. You got to be careful what you're doing there. Cause you might just draw something that you didn't really think you were going to get. But uh, I do like that kind of system too. It's kind of nice how the States are different because they give you opportunities in different ways. Um, you know, like Montana's a mess of a non-resident state, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's just what, it depends on what your goals are. Like, what do you want to is, you know, mule deer and elk your focus or, you know, like if you were, if you say it's mule deer, I wouldn't waste time like in Oregon or Washington or building, I would probably wouldn't even, you know, hunt Montana if it wasn't for living up there for mule deer. Right. So, like, just because the, the trophy potential isn't there. Because I could get my money and time is probably better spent on an over-the-counter tag in Idaho or maybe an, even a tag in New Mexico for mule deer or, you know, something else. You know, maybe Wyoming or just something different than, you know, I, you know if I'm going to apply for elk up there and I'm just buying points. I might just buy a point just because for the small fee, just to buy points, it's, it's there. You might as well do it. Right. But, uh, um, yeah. So it's the way I'm just, I've done it is just, I'm, I stagger it out where I, you know, there's a few States like this year, I'll try to be hunting at least three States again. And, you know, at least two. And I want tags in Colorado for sure. And for sure in Montana and, I already have the Idaho tag. So it's like you can kind of get your your points and your strategy based around there and your goals. 
So say like you want to hunt the strip or mm-hmm. Kaibab or maybe you want to hunt the Ponsagant in Utah, something like that. Like he's getting the Henry's in Utah, like these awesome other yeah. units. Well, <clears throat> like a cool thing in Utah, they got, you, you can do those limited entry draws. So I'd be in, in Arizona, I would still be building points. I would build points in Arizona, build points in Utah, you know, build points in all the places you can afford to build points. Right. It's really not going to hurt you. Yeah. And because later down the road, say five years from now, and you got five points and maybe an opportunity comes up where, you know, it's on a lesser unit, but um, it's something you want to do or something you want to try, whether that be mule deer or elk or whatever, um, you can have that you know, with your points, it gives you a little bit more of an opportunity later on down the road. Right. And like, I I will say like, which not that it matters, because right now I only have the one lifetime um, bonus point in uh, Arizona for for my hunter ethics course. Um, But that is the downfall to the strategy I took this year um, with elk is I I didn't gain a point. I, I was still sitting on that one point. So, you know, sure, I got an elk tag, I get to go out, I get to learn this fall, but it's in a really tough unit, in a really tough time of the year, and I didn't really set myself up for anything else other than that really tough hunt in that really tough unit. So, like, like elk especially is, is where I'm curious, as the, you know, like you said, do do you, do you just flat out, you know, get points in every state you can afford to be applying for and putting in the draw for, um, and, you know, hope something good comes up. Um, or, you know, do you, do you just get what you can get? What, you know, where it's like, I, I know a lot of it is financial, but I, I was definitely really curious to, to talk with you about it. Cause, cause you do, such a good job of getting yourself two or three different states to hunt every year. And I know that's, I know that's not necessarily easy. Like you said, you got to learn how each state's draw system works and whether it's hybrid, straight random, you know, straight bonus point, like how, you know, and which is not something I, I really even knew anything about, um, like six months ago, like six months ago. I had no idea um, hybrid versus you know straight random and what states were what and it's a it's a lot of reading you 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 got goddamn sure got to want to do it and be willing to take the time to read about it and figure it all out. No, absolutely, and it's it, it really just comes down to your goals, um, honestly. Where with your application strategy, like I I want to hunt, you know. Uh, say I want to hunt trophy elk, you know, I want to kill a giant bull. Well, you better be putting in for those areas. That's going to be, you know, Arizona, you know, Montana, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And I would build points there in all those states for elk, if that's my goal. You right. know, I'm building points there. And then I'm also going to, I'm going to apply for a New Mexico tag because it's random every year. I'm going to apply for New Mexico. And if I don't get that, well, there's still an over-the-counter archery hunt in Colorado as of now. You know, there's also over-counter opportunities for rifle in Colorado. Um, there's some over-the-counter opportunities for elk in Oregon. There's over-the-counters for spike hunts in Utah. 
which gets you experience hunting elk. But yep. There's other ways to get yourself in the field every year while you're waiting to build points and still have the potential to, um, you know, put yourself on some animals, you know, and that's what's so cool about some of these um, opportunities is like even a Montana general tag for elk, you, I would like that general elk tag in Montana is probably better than a draw unit for elk in Colorado, hmm. you know, like for elk. Yeah. You know, there's just the, the quality of elk that I've seen there in general units is, you know, incredible. And, you know, it's just the over the counter in uh, Colorado, the generals in Utah, they're crowded. You know, there's a lot of people. Yeah. And that's frustrating as hell. But you kind of, you know, they're all, everybody wants to do what you, the same thing. And it's just, it's tough. It's just what your goals are. Like, I, I love mule deer, you know, I've been a mule deer guy forever. It's just my thing too. It's just, um, <clears throat> I've just tried to, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm definitely, I got points building up in a few different states for these premium tags, but I'm going to try to hunt Colorado every year for, yeah. for deer, you know, I'm going to try to hunt, you know, Idaho every year. There's, you know, you look at all the old record books, you know, all these counties, all the history. It's just, and it's just a matter of how, really, if I can afford it, I'm going to be buying points everywhere. If I can, for these species, for the ones I really care about, you know, <laughs> and I, like, I don't need to be applying, for, like, I don't, odds are so bad for like some sheep and moose and goat in other states. I don't really apply for those as much. Um, I would say where it doesn't cost me much in other states, I do just do those for points, but I'm not, it's not my goal. It's not my focus. So I'm not worried about it. Right. And I, I feel the same way about fucking, um, I, I mean, I would, I would love to moose on and sheep hunt, but like New Mexico is the state I look at as far as sheep, you know, maybe I'll apply for sheep in New Mexico because it is, it's just straight random. Um, right. I mean, you hear yep. stories of guys applying for sheep twice in New Mexico and they get it because it's a straight random. Um, but like moose, I, I put moose out of the back of my mind because, you know, here four, five, six, seven years, you can save up some money and go do an over the counter you know, moose hunt in Alaska. So I'm, I'm kind right. of with you. That's, that's just one thing I kind of put out of my mind and, and don't even really worry about it's <clears throat> for me. It's, it's, it's mule deer and elk. That's, that's what I want to learn. Um, I don't, I couldn't even tell you if I'm a mule deer guy or an elk guy yet. Um, I'd lean towards mule deer guy cause I've gotten to go hunt those twice now. Um, <laughs> and, and it was a lot of fun. I got on a really nice four by four, um, I just couldn't quite make it happen. I, he was chasing does and I'd get within like 90 yards and he would bump just a little bit, chasing them does. So I'd, I'd chase him down just a little bit and I'd get to like 75 yards and he'd bump just, you know, back out to like a hundred. Damn it. Jeez. Um, nothing special, like a 150. Yeah. But for your first mule deer, you got him. Oh, that would have been awesome. I'd have been over the fucking moon. Um, 
And I, I went back for him a week later, and I hunted for him for four or five days, and the fucking side-by-side army just rolled in in force, so that was really neat, though. That was a, that was a good taste of, of public land hunting right off the bat. Um, that first four or five days I was in there on him and couldn't make it happen, it was the last, last evening that I got to be in there that I really got down on him and got to chase him around like that. Yeah, that's exciting, man, with the bow. Uh, it was. It was super exciting. Fuck, it was... I, I called my buddy Cody as I, when I made it back into service, and I was like, man, I haven't even gotten one yet, and this mule deer shit is addictive. <laughs> it is pretty exciting. I mean, it's especially when they're rutting and stuff, it's pretty exciting. See them lip cur- curling and chasing does. Oh, yeah. Acting dumb, it's fun. You're just strutting around in this little the little bottom of this little basin that I was in, and he just strutting around, and I mean, just not. Yeah, every now and again, I'd get stared down by a doe, and he just didn't even care, you know. They they couldn't even bust me because he'd come chasing around, you know. And I'd get to hook her up into a tree a little bit and hide out for a minute. It was awesome. It darn sure a lot different than uh, what I grew up doing, which is sitting in a stand. Like right. It's yeah. way, way different than that. That's for dang sure. Way yeah. more fun. I'll always have a special place in my heart for whitetail because that's what I grew up doing. And, and I still right. hunt with my family every year, but it is not even remotely the same. Um, not even close. Um, yeah, I hear you. Uh, no, that, and that's, I, and this is probably a lack of research on my part, you know just getting into it i i do the best i can but um it seems like every time i talk to somebody there's way more over the counter opportunity than than a guy would think or a guy can find just kind of a google search you know mm-hmm. um so that's that's good to hear because that that like the shoot like a spike hunt in utah utah's you know i'm four hours from the utah state line that that wouldn't be that bad of a deal for me at all right Um, and then like you said i could be building points while still out getting some experience yep and learning some country over there for sure yeah Yeah. and a lot of those spike hunts are actually on some of the premium elk units which is crazy but you get to sit there and look at you can see a lot of big bulls yeah (laughs) yeah sit there and look at 400 inch bulls while you're trying to shoot a spike i bet that's not tempting at all <laughs> yeah it's kind of nuts but uh yeah but there's... Officer, i swear he was a spike <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's wild but and the thing is though like i do see these uh over-the-counter and general tags opportunities i do see them starting to get more and more limited every year um so I am worried about like the future of those kind of tags being around. Um, even this year, uh, Colorado's had some discussions about getting rid of the over the counter elk tags. Um, even though it's their bread and butter for money for the state, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, there's these opportunities are not going to be around forever. Like right. the over the counter archery in Arizona went from almost half the state to like three units. Yep, it was um, full shoot. I think there was mm, 18, 18 units. Yeah. 
Um, it was a lot bigger area before this last yeah. couple of years. Yeah, and and the harvest they they dropped the harvest quota, um, in most units by like half. Um, wow. So you went from having a lot of like forty and fifty, you know, any antler buck, you know, because we got them coos deer down here too. Yeah. Um, and whatnot to. 15 and 20 and 10 and um shoot one unit that i really wanted to go hunt um i think it was only it was five was the the quota and so fuck, i mean that son of a gun was killed you know by the second week of august it was closed um right. I, I never even got a chance to go hunt that unit um even though it was an hour and a half away from my house um, huh. yeah they and they uh, have, like said, they've started limiting non-residents now. They've gone to a system uh, like Idaho where you have to, I, I want to say it's December 9th. Is the, okay. ah, shoot, I can't remember. Yeah, I... It's either December 1st or December 9th. And um, from what I heard, it's going to be just like Idaho's. You log in, you're in a waiting room, and it, you know, pops you in you get to buy what you want and then it pops you out right yeah and i haven't personally hunted that over-the-counter archery down there even when it was better and you know more open but uh i kind of regret not doing it now you know it's like shit i yeah. should have done it you know a few years ago before it got more restricted and you know and so like that's what i'm saying it's just that these opportunities are gonna be i think they're just dwindling away and you know if you want to be have these opportunities down the road, you know, five, 10 years from now, I think putting your name in a few different hats across the West is the way to do it. Right. Right. So I got a, I got a question for you. So like, say, you know, Colorado talked about doing away with them. They're over the counter elk opportunities as, as a hunter in the field. Do you feel like you've noticed a decline in the trophy quality of elk in Colorado? And do you think that's why they're doing it? Or what do you, cause, cause I'm not very in tune with Colorado to be honest with you. Yeah. So put it this way, like, uh, we used to, like, they used to say Colorado has the biggest elk herd in the West, lower 48, mm-hmm. but we have about the worst elk hunting in the Western States. You know, as for general, for the over-the-counters, I mean, it is tough. It's, it's, uh, it's a, just hunting a lot of pressured elk that are really, really um, keen and used to people. So it's like Get real they're getting, they're not easy to call in. Um, yeah. Trophy quality, I would say, has gone down, especially in those over-the-counter units, um, and probably in general, and even in the trophy units, like they're not you don't go to Colorado expecting to shoot a 350 bull. Really? Um, no, like 350 bull in Colorado is something you did something. Yeah. Really did. And, <clears throat> you know, there's been a few that slipped by that are that big or bigger, but I mean, that's, that's really doing something anymore out here. The quality's lower. Um, and just the pressure is so bad yeah. that, uh, I haven't even, like I, I look at when I look at deer hunts, say for if you want to look at like a early high country hunt in Colorado, 
I look for units that do not have a uh, over the counter elk tag. Yeah, just because you don't have all I know there's going to be yeah so many people in there just because it's an over the counter unit. Yep. And you know that's just going to put more pressure on the elk and the deer. So it's um, yeah, I would say it's it's been bad. I mean, it was it was bad when I was growing up here. There's a lot of people out there, but um, it's definitely made an impact. I don't know if. I think maybe they're doing it because of the, you know, the public response to crowding and whatnot, but uh, it, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it isn't, they don't have anything really in the works yet for it, but uh, I yeah. don't see that last in forever, honestly. Right. I, uh, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, I think it was the, the go hunt podcast or, uh, it might have been a different one anyways um and they were talking with uh some guys from uh utah game and fish um shoot i can remember the guy's first name dak something or another yep. and he's like head of big game over there and and he was talking about you know having their um oh shoot what what are they called their meetings um the rack meetings rack yeah the rack meetings um he was talking about, you know, sitting in on those, and he was like, you know, it's, he's like, you can't in, you know, because people come in, and the first thing everybody wants to complain about is how they saw 15 hunters, um, you know, on their hunt, and they don't want to see anybody, and so, you know, we'll go, okay, well, we'll, we'll cut back the number of over-the-counter tax or limited, in, or we'll make, you know, more stuff limited entry, we'll, we'll do this, we'll do that. And we'll get less hunters on the landscape at the same time. And he's like, and as soon as you say that, everybody's like, whoa, I mean, whoa, take it easy now. I mean, I don't necessarily think there needs to be less tags. I just want to see less people. And I was right. listening to that like, well, I mean, I'm really new to Western hunting. I mean, literally, I've hunted mule deer twice now. And I don't think you can have one without the other, buddy. Like, <laughs> No, and it's... You don't it's get kind of interesting what they did this year with Utah's permits for, um, for elk particularly. Um, I, they I, basically distributed the tags throughout, you know, different seasons where they have a, you know, they took tags from the early September rifle hunt and threw them in the middle of October where or the beginning of they October. Knew it which, would be, yeah, they they um. They added tags to a hunt they knew was difficult. They knew it was hard, and yep. you know, and they even said they were like, you know, and it's not. We don't want people to fail. We hope people succeed, but that's, you know, people want more tags and want more opportunity. So here you go. Here's more opportunity. It is a tougher hunt, so that we hopefully don't just decimate the elk herd. But here you go. Here's your more opportunity. Yeah, no, I really do think it's a good. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot, actually. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, it's like, like the argument you, you, you know, for mule deer in Montana or something, you know, you don't, if you want mule deer to, to survive and get older and, you know, have a good healthy herd, you don't hunt them in the rut in the middle of November, you know, and you don't hunt elk with a rifle in the middle of September, you know, just because <laughs> you can just, just you know. decimate them yeah. oh yeah you can smoke them i mean it's just it's the most vulnerable time that's why you know they have archery seasons during the rut rather than 
you know, rifle seasons during those times, most in, you know, for in general, yep. just so they're not putting such a big impact on the elk and deer. That is, the, I will say it is, um, it's, it's really gratifying in a way, um, to, to live in Arizona and, and have my residency in Arizona as the first, you know, state that I'm really getting into Western big game mm-hmm. because, you know, there, there's not, as far as I'm aware, anyways, there's not a rifle tag in September when bulls are bugling. It yep. is archery only. I think there might be a muzzleloader tag. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah, they have muzzleloader tags, and uh, I mean Colorado has muzzleloader tags, but it's just you know, it's in general, it's just not a for man. As looking at it as a management perspective, it just if you want to, if you need to kill your elk, then you, yeah, you kill them in September with a rifle if you, you want to take them out, but it's just uh, for long-term uh, longevity and age class of animals and quality of, you know, antler growth and stuff. You just, you know, it wouldn't be as ideal, but, you know. Arizona seems to do a very good job of managing their archery versus rifle seasons is to when everything is, is vulnerable. You know, I was looking at, their rifle seasons kind of trying to like i said i I mean i'm pretty well set to just fucking hail mary it for like the strip and the kaibab because because i live here and i know i get that over the counter archery but those seasons are in late october when mule deer are the hardest to find that they're gonna be and and that's when you get to rifle hunt them and you want to chase them in velvet or you want to chase them in december because they they rut in december down here it's really weird they rut super late um yeah. you have to chase them with a bow you can't chase them with a rifle yep kind of just gives them a little bit more opportunity to to live it it does it gives them it gives them big cagey bucks you know the the chance to keep reproducing and not just get absolutely whacked you know come the rut by every swinging dick with a rifle and and continue those genetics and and I think it's a big reason why Arizona has such big critters is because they, they, from from what I'm learning, the more I learn is that Arizona seems to do a very good job of balancing when their rifle and archery seasons are versus when things are going to be at their most vulnerable. Right. And if, to just look at it for, um, in its most simplest perspective to see is like Arizona in general, is managed for trophy quality. Nevada is managed for trophy quality. Um, Colorado is managed for opportunity. Uh, Montana's managed for opportunity. Uh, you know, it's pretty basic to like. I can look back at all these states and know which ones are basically going to be managed. I mean, Arizona has less permits, and just a, a general recipe for bigger animals is less tags and. Yeah, uh, really, just you know, and less opportunity, but better quality. Yeah, pretty simple, really. But it's just hard, and people want to go on their hunts and their family hunts, and I get that. I want to be out there every year. So, and when there is an opportunity, like I am no, by no means would I turn down a rifle elk hunt in September or a November deer hunt for mule deer. Like I. I've done it, you know. I'm I'm gonna yep. take advantage of these season dates, and I'm gonna do it. I mean, I did it last year. I shot a 
shot a big old heavy three by four buck here in Colorado, rutting his face off in middle late November, just because I had a you know a later season tag, third season tag, yeah. and and those experiences are pretty awesome, just because uh, like you were saying, they're all they're cool and uh, their guards a little bit down, and you can kind of be a little more picky on the deer you take, just because you're seeing so many activities yeah. way up, but. You know, it's just it does put some damage on the quality long term. It it does. It absolutely does. And I mean, I've shot plenty of whitetail in the middle of the rut with a rifle. You know, I I mean, I've done it too. And like you said, I mean, I I always kind of look at it too. It's like, like say that you know, like you said, turning down a, a September tag in Montana, you know, with a rifle for elk. I mean. Well, if I don't go, somebody else is probably gonna, you know. Yeah, and, somebody's and I wanna... gonna smoke a giant. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> so gonna well. do it. I, I could sit here and be prideful and say that I don't want to hunt stuff in the rut with a rifle, but yeah. they're gonna get decimated all the same. And and like you said, so I, I mean, why not? You got to take advantage of the opportunity because it because it's there, and if you don't, somebody else will. Right, they're gonna get dumped or killed anyways. And I think that's the idea that Colorado's had with these later dates for call for deer, was like, oh gosh, you know, our our mule deer all have CWDs. So, you know, I'm sure you heard us. Yeah, oh, I don't know, but oh, yeah. kill all either CWDs gonna kill all our deer, or we so gotta kill them all now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, that's crazy. You know, it's CWDs been around forever, and we've been, you know been fine it's not you know we can voice our opinions in the public um uh when they have the their discussions or whatever they're open for the public to respond on and whatever but we you know i'm just gonna i don't know it it stresses me out thinking about it too much (laughs) the future of it really but i'm just gonna take play it by ear and you know try to still get out there every year based on what i can do that's that's all you can do, really. That CWD thing is funny. I mean, it's it right. Like I said, it's been around forever, and rather letting Mother Nature take its course and sort it out, like it has several times over the last I don't know forty years. It's just CWD is gonna kill all the deer. Well, let's beat it to you know, let's beat it to the punch. Let's why don't we kill all the deer? It's like man, right. pretty. And then on top of that, they're adding wolves. This coming here and yeah, I, I just don't see I don't see much I don't know right now I, I'm trying to be optimistic about it but I just don't think it's Colorado's heading in a good direction for for the mule deer elk really yeah no I, I like I said I'm I'm not super in tune with Colorado I, I don't pay just a whole lot of attention to it yeah uh, I, I kind of really stay in tune with Arizona to Montana line, you know? Um, yeah. And, yeah, it doesn't seem like Colorado's got, I don't know. It seems like they've got goals, but they're not good ones. Yeah, that's, I don't know, I'm not, I'm just still going to be out there trying to find that last, you know, another big buck. I'm still going to hunt it. It's not going to keep me from doing it, but it's just, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just sad because, you know, growing up here and it was, it wasn't the, you know, the 80s or 70s where mule deer heyday out here. 
But right. there was another heyday when I was growing up here because there was, you know, I used to see multiple 200-inch bucks just around where I lived. Or if you go up the mountains, you were going to see them. Like, they were everywhere. You know, it wasn't like every other deer was a 200-inch, yeah. but there was, there was big deer. I mean, we weren't, even as kids in high school, we weren't shooting bucks that weren't bigger than a 180 because we've seen these giants. Yeah, you knew and, they were out there. Yeah, and anymore it's man it's seeing a 180 buck is that's it's just that it's the bar has been a little, set a little lower i guess right now so gotcha and um like like i said that's another thing that's kind of really gratifying about arizona it's 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 frustrating at the same time if that makes sense because you you do really have to know how to hunt to get in on them big big cagey mule deer than big old cagey elk um i mean unless you're gonna take a 900 yard shot which i'm not gonna that's a discussion for another day but i damn sure ain't gonna do that um it so it, it is it's very gratifying to see that there's still big critters out there but not having the skill set to get in on these big critters man it'll put you up a wall <laughs> oh yeah man it's tough it's not it's no day off and the more you do it, the better you get at it, though. I mean, you learn a lesson from every stock. It's it's a process. Yeah, the uh, this year's big strategy is going to be wilderness area because, holy shit, that is one thing I will warn you about Arizona. Everybody and their mom wants to shoot something from their side-by-side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Even in the middle of an over-the-counter archery season, Dudes are out cruising around and they're side by side, like they're gonna be able to step out, pop one with their bow, you know. And it's like, dude, you are out of your fucking mind. What are you doing? Jeez. It it was it was incredible. It was a big, big, big learning curve. How bad <laughs> the side by side army in Arizona can be. Um, but it, like I said, it was also kind of gratifying in a way because I did. I had to learn how to. I mean, hunt around people. Yeah, I had to I had to put a pack back on and um you know, get in shape, which I was not <laughs> with a big heavy backpack and figure out how to get away from them people and hunt around them and I didn't get it done, but I I did. Yeah, yeah it looks like home like you got into them and had some opportunities, just didn't come together. No, no, I did on the one. I did. I did get it on him and man, you want to talk about a gratifying feeling first time out there, you're hiking around don't think anything you're doing is right and you're just sitting there glass and here comes this nice 140 150 four by four lip curling chasing does you're like oh wow maybe i maybe i can find deer that's kind of that's kind of neat <laughs> oh yeah man that's awesome yeah, it, it i mean sounds like you already got bit so i think you'll be all right <laughs> you'll be back out there finding them hey, i don't know it's and hunting around those people and the pressure it's it's good you're getting exposed to that now because, I mean, that doesn't change. I haven't no. run into that every state I go to. I mean, yeah. especially if you're not doing some extreme backpacking. And even if you are, even when I have backpacked, like on that elk hunt this year, I, I'm there's people in the backcountry too. It's just you're going to be hunting with pressure, and it's just about uh, not letting it get discourage you. I used to be uh, like – Honestly, I would go to a trailhead in Montana or Idaho or Colorado even, and there'd be, you know, five five or six trucks in the 
trailhead. I'm like, dang it. Yeah. You know, and I was all bummed out about it. But after a while, like, I would, you know, I'm like, crap, I guess I gotta go find somewhere else. Well, I just started figuring out that it was just more of a middle game than anything else. It doesn't matter how many trucks or, you know, horse trailers are parked there at the trailhead. I mean, I just started, I went up one of those trails and it was this, it was a big switch that turned for me. As I went up this trail, this trail system kind of forked in a bunch of different directions, but there was one main fork. Mm-hmm. There's a couple miles in there. And I mean, there, uh, this trailhead, it was in Idaho. There was three horse trailers, all kinds of trucks there. But I get to this, you know, the fork in the trail and everybody had gone left. There was not a single track that went across this creek and went over to the to the right, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, geez, even though all those guys at the trailhead and nobody's gone a different way, it's just, you know, you can't let, you don't even know what these people are doing, you know, half the time. They might be, I ran into people that are doing the oddest things, man. Like there was a guy I ran into uh, last year. I was shed hunting and ran into this guy right at this creek. I'm like, what? He was in there a ways. It was right off the trail, but he was in there a ways. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm paying him for gold in the creek. I was like, what? No way. So like, you just don't know what these, what the guy in the truck's doing there. There might be a solid day hike. There's so many more recreationists than you think. And, you just cannot let it discourage you. That's the biggest thing. Don't let it get in your head. Yeah, and and that was that was tough because it, like I said, it it did it, it got me down pretty bad that second time I went back in there after that deer, and I still managed to find some deer, and I spent a lot of time behind the glass. I I even glassed a couple of guys sit down for like twenty minutes, glass around, get up, you know, and. <laughs> jog back up over the hill basically and you know it was one of them deals where it's like you guys got a side by side don't you 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 got out you hiked like 400 yards sat down didn't see nothing so you're gonna go get back in your side by side and 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 sure enough an hour later you know they were just forkies and some other deer that i didn't want to go after because i knew that big four by four was was hiding in there right Uh, I, I, you know, I started glassing up some deer, you know, and, and some forkies and stuff. And, and that, that definitely helped a little bit seeing that you can darn sure if you'll just stay quiet and you'll hang out and you'll keep your eyes in the glass, you can, you can darn sure hunt right under those guys' nose. But the, the first night that I was back in there and man, it got me down bad, you know, seeing four side by sides and two trucks and three or four different groups of hunters, you know, and it was just yeah. like, God dang, what is, what is the point? What is the point of being here? This place is so blown up. There's no way there's any deer left in here. Right. Yeah. It's, it's discouraging, but that's just, it's tough to, it's a middle game, but like, even like half of the, half of staying out there is a middle game. Even if you're not seeing people, if you're not seeing game, it's just standing Staying out there in glass in that last hour. Yep, um, it is. It's so it's it's all. It's another one of those things. It's like a sport that's uh, you know, more mental than it is uh, physical. Almost sometimes. <laughs> so it's that's. I think that's why I like it so much. It's, it just challenges me that way. Yep. So. Uh... Not to be that guy, but honestly, it's a lot like riding bucking horses. I never rode saddle bronc, but I've been on <laughs> ranch broncs, and it is like you're out. It, 
riding a bucking horse physically, like, sure, there's some technique, and you do have to be kind of in shape to it. But honestly, most of it's just being willing to grit it out. Yeah, yeah, not, absolutely. Not wanting to let go. And if you want to let go, you're not going to ride pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think that's where I just see, with, even with my buddies that I've hunted with since we've grew, grown up, like, I can tell when they're discouraged and they're ready to go home, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, on one of these, uh, like, it's just certain times when you're like, you know, they're, you can just see it in their face. They're like, you know, maybe it's the, maybe there's no elk over this ridge or there's nothing out here. It's just, you know, we got a long hike back. It's going to be dark. You just can't, you can't even start thinking about stuff like that. You got to, you know, let's just check one more ridge. You know, it might get dark. We got headlamps. You know what we yep. get headlamps for if we're gonna hike out. You know, come on. Bow time, yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be positive and uh, keep that positive hunting attitude and <laughs> keep going. You it, know, it really I, is. It's a big that's, deal. Uh, speaking of headlamps, you want to talk about something that is kind of a skill that I did not think was much of a skill. Uh, to be completely honest with you, I figured it was a lot like navigating in the daytime. You know, just kind of keep stuff on, you know, keep moon on the, you know, same shoulder and, you know, kind of pick a spot on the horizon and aim for that. But hiking in and out in the dark is not even remotely like hiking around in the daytime. I nope. I pulled a full fucking circle on myself. And when I say circle, I mean, I was hiking, and I, you know, I'm I'm kind of in the zone, you know, on this side or the other. And I look up and my headlamp hits my taillights and I was like, what the f- fuck (laughs) (laughs) and i was like wow okay so hiking in the dark is not like hiking in the daytime where i can just put put the moon on my shoulder and halfway pick a reference point and and just start cruising you gotta be really paying attention when you're hiking around in the dark yeah it it depends like if especially if you have to weave through trees it'll really get you turn around but uh you got a trail or you know some kind of mark or you know, you're following your GPS or, you know, whatever. And right. And I was just going to cut country. You know, there's there's no trail. There's no road. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a knob in mind. And so I kind of got my, my onyx out and got me facing the right direction. And kind of, like I said, I kind of tried to look up at the moon and see where it's at and, you know, try and pick like a peak and, and, and it was real brushy, you know, it's that pinion uh, juniper country, there's fucking cedar trees all over the place, and like you said, I got turned around so fast, I oh, yeah. uh, I had to, to, to get me there, basically, I just, I uh, I dropped my phone in my bino harness with it, um, just open, the screen open, you know, Yeah. and, and I'd, I'd go like 20 yards, and I'd take my phone out and i look at my you know my go-to deal that you can do yeah um, go to waypoint yeah i hear yeah. you and i was like dang this is this is not near as easy as just cutting country in the daytime yeah yeah it's tough man it's you get better at it, you figure out too like just when like i say just in those trees or whenever you got to weave through you know pj country or whatever it's it's tougher in those for sure but i'd say it's I think more or less people are like scared of the dark more than they're scared of getting turned around, but you'll figure that out. And there's times when you need to use your GPS and times when you don't need it. But, uh, I don't, I don't, I think if people are going back to the truck or they're not leaving the truck till it's light there, you're missing out, man. 
Oh, you're missing time. some missing out on some opportunities. Big time. I would I would absolutely agree with that. I I uh I mean the the first morning that I that I went back in um and things had been a little louder, you know, cuz all the traffic. I uh I glassed a couple of deer like right at first light and like I said it was it was like them deer knew when everybody was going to roll through, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I lost them and you know, they got into some uh into some cover and, and bedded down and just having inexperienced eyes. Honestly I did. I kinda lost them. And you know, about an hour goes by and boom, here comes all the traffic, you know, people <laughs> walking around and driving and this out or the other. And it was it was four does and two fawns that I that I had been watching and um, you know, this that or the other I I sitting there and I'm like I'm getting discouraged, you know, all these people and this, that or the other. And it's probably about an hour after I saw the last person and I'm sitting there and I've I've quit looking through my spotter and I'm just kinda gridding with my binos and boom, there's those four does and them two fawns again. Huh. And I was like, dang, I mean, if I wouldn't have been here at first light, I'd have never even known them were in here. I mean, sure I might have been able to sit here and, and glass them up you know, right now where I'm looking at them. But, I mean, I saw those does 10 minutes after first light. Right. And then that's just because I beat those guys in there. And that was, it was a good lesson to learn really on, I think, was that it was worth, like you said, I mean, I was nervous about it. I'll be the first one to tell you. I'm in flat out cougar country. I mean, there's a lot of lions in this part of the world. Yep, for sure. I'd never hiked anywhere in the dark. I was plum nervous about it, but I had heard over and over and over and over again, you got to be willing to do it. You got to be willing to do it because you will miss a lot if you aren't. Yep, that's right. <laughs> yep. I mean, I threw I threw my pistol in my bino harness because I don't I don't have a, a holster to go underneath it yet. I mean, I was I was, I have no problem admitting I was flat out nervous about it. <laughs> but, but it it was just I mean, sure it's just a couple of does but it was a good example of being able to see something mm-hmm. and kind of watch their behavior and watch them hunker down like they knew all them people were coming through and I'd basically watch them stand back up as soon as everybody was out you know right yeah that's it's pretty wild I mean could have just as well been a big buck you know so. yeah yeah it, it could have could have been the four by four i was after it wasn't yep. and i was really depressed about it but <laughs> it could have been <laughs> absolutely no never know well man we're uh we're right about the hour and a half mark so that's that's good enough for me man i really appreciated having you on i'm i'm really glad i got to hear the bed of dream story and yeah man absolutely i've been I've been wanting to hear that one pretty bad, and I'll uh, I'll have to come up with some more stuff for us to talk about. And get you back on, uh, like yeah, I said the other day. I've leaned way hard into the cowboy side of things. I didn't realize how many cowboys versus hunters I knew before I started this podcast. <laughs> I started <laughs> yeah, asking around for guys to talk about hunting, and they're like, "I mean, I could I could talk about you know roping deer or roping an elk. Nah, it's not quite the same, man." <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, dead. Well, um, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find uh, your personal stuff and where they can find uh, Rocky Mountain Way. Um, so uh, 
we got uh, the YouTube channel. If you just look, I think the easiest way to find the YouTube channel is just looking up my name, Tyler Turco. Um, that's the handle on the YouTube. Uh, and then on Instagram, it's Tyler Turco with an underscore. And then uh, Rocky Mountain Way underscore Montana on Instagram. Got all those three kind of all all pretty much work together. Uh, but that's the easiest way to keep, you know, keeping tabs with me or if you want to get in touch with me, do it through there. Um, but, yeah, I should have some more videos coming up soon. Hopefully a big, big old spring bear, too. Uh, from what I heard, a big old spring chocolate bear. Yes, yeah. Hopefully the chocolate will get. Hopefully we'll get him, feed him some blood this spring. Yeah, I'll be crossing my fingers for you, man. If you get him, you're coming back on and telling me the story. So absolutely, man. We'd love you to go get him. <laughs> All right, man, well, again, thanks, thanks for coming on. It was good catching up, um, and it was good, good chatting with you. Um, take it easy and don't work too hard and. And we'll holler at you next time. Likewise, buddy. We'll talk. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, if you would like, subscribe, follow, whatever app uh, you're using, ask you to do. Um, I'd really appreciate that. And I would really appreciate if you enjoyed the show, if you'd leave it a five-star review on whatever app you listen on. Um, helps promote the show a bunch and, and get it out there for everybody else. Uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, stay punchy. <laughs>